Welcome to the one within all to another episode of the Interverse podcast. We've got my, you know, one of my best friends out there these days. Topher Zalicious. How's it going, my man? <laughs> hey, Topher. I'm really excited to talk. Oh, you know, it's easy to talk to you for two hours. The time just slips away. Somehow you thread all the things together in one beautiful tapestry of wisdom. And we have a fun topic on deck for this particular evening. You know, yes, we were talking a little bit about the plans you have for your own home and some of the things you've been doing for clients and just the overall vast well of biogeometrical knowledge and harmonious building techniques that you could never really encapsulate that in a two hour conversation. But tonight, I think we're going to specifically, at least if not in other things to cover the whole restorative aspect of what the home actually could be on an energetics level, on a frequency level, turning your house into a pranic accumulator, you know, like an orgone accumulator. And then also we put cloud busting roofs in the title. And that sounds really wild. Anyway, you guys know him, you love him, or if you don't, you will. He is Topher Gardner, also known as Christopher, depending on who you ask. You can find his work at topherhq.com, linked in the show notes. He's got a brand new old podcast. (laughs) He's relaunched his old show, BioCharisma Podcast, and it's great. Uh, It'll be even better once he has me on it someday. I don't know what he's waiting for, but we will do that eventually. And he's got some extremely fun episodes. Uh, Slick Dissident's been on there recently, did one with Cal Washington. the big bear Owen Benjamin has gone on there and talked to him. Yeah. Is that out yet? That's out yeah. Yet, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's like anyway, four episodes ago. As uh, as Alan here says, ladle alert code six, all systems alert gravy <laughs> incoming. Yeah. I'll stop introducing and we'll just get into it. Topher buddy. How you been? Welcome to the interverse. I've been awesome, man. I've been hanging with a bunch of our, our new Missouri friends here and, uh, had some clients come in last week and got to douse their property and just just walking the property and and listening to the property and just seeing all the different just how communicative the land was being and then watching over a three day period of time the modification that was above us that uh, was actually happening. We had a, I don't know what it's been like in your neck of the woods. You mean weather modification for anyone a little slow? Yeah. Yeah. All of our days start off with no clouds in the sky and you'll start to see the streaking and then uh, the albedo effect is in full force by about 2, 2 p.m. Yeah. And if, you know, if anyone wonders about that, just pay attention to the pattern. The sun rises in the east and that's where the streaks begin. There's no streaks anywhere else just where the sun's at. And then as the day goes on, they follow the sun pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I have done some gifting of the cell towers around my place with the organite that Mitch has provided for me. And I can say consistently for the last couple of years now that the, uh, the white hazy type of clouds, they do not hang above the directly above the area where I'm at, where I've done this gifting. So that was my personal experiment to see if there is anything to the organite stuff. Yeah, it's, I know the org, I know I've built my own cloud busters in the past. I've played with that tech. I'm a, I'm a full believer in it because a lot of the, the science that's behind orgone is very similar to how I understand the body through polarity therapy, how, how chi moves through the body. 
and how chi moves through the the land around us. And so it's just been a lot of fun because as of late, be, because I am breaking ground on new properties in a new area, it's like all new to me <laughs> and whatever it's all new to me. I, I get just this huge thrust of, of energy to like really dive in deep. Well, there's already like three things I want to make sure that we circle back to. So um, I'll list them and see what you can do. <laughs> First of all, communicating with the land. We can't leave that hanging. I'm a, I'm into dowsing myself. I use it more to communicate with people's bodily intelligence. Right. But like you just alluded to, there's actually, if you're working with an accurate model or system, then the energy of the body is going to be a fractally a microcosm of how energy flows in the environment. So that's brilliant. So if we could talk about that aspect as well, and then, you know, Tell us a little bit about those early days of experimenting with Cloudbusters and what kind of stuff you got up to and see what of those three questions I just threw at you, you can put together for us. I'm of the mind that our environment is constantly signaling us. It's just our, it's up to us to actually listen. And with, with dousing rods, they're just copper rods, you know, so they're ruled by Venus, (laughs) the energetic signature of Venus. So they're very good at picking up not only the electrical currents, but water currents. And in some ways, um, you can also pick up, depending on how they're moving, you can pick up whether or not there's a crystal line, whether or not there's a fault line. and for those of you that are unaware, our our entire geography is essentially over a crystal body, and those crystal the the crystal lattice body that's underneath our the geology that we know has like a has a matrix to it. And Do you mean here locally or everywhere? Here it's more prominent because, like I was telling you, this is a very diamagnetic area. There's a lot of cave systems and there's a huge, you know, Missouri has been known to have miners have found entire cities underground because the actual ground underneath us is rock. <laughs> it's like solid rock. And if it's not rock, it's huge aquifers of water. So that combination allows for the diamagnetic principle uh, to be very, very prominent. Like the the ground current here is very strong. You could go like areas I lived in, in like Florida or Michigan, the peninsulas, um, they had no bedrock. Like underneath you was like, <laughs> it was mush. And so um, that has a totally different type of signature. So when you douse in those areas, it's a little bit harder to douse just because um everything all the water is so close to the surface of the of the earth here the the property that i was dousing um has a lot of beautiful uh quartz rock that you see prominences everywhere and it's in a forest that's probably about 30 to 40 years old not not any older than that and so the trees have been growing for a while very good um undercover like there's probably about a foot worth of black soil but the all the lines were very uh dead on like there was no whenever you find a point you then grid it and see what the what the um 
your little rods are doing. And it was like, it was so exact wherever I was. And I was with my client. So I'd hand the rods over to them and I say, Hey, check it out. See, see if it works for you because it's not, it has nothing to do with the, the person. If they're not, you know, if they're not, you're not consciously trying to make it do anything. You're just listening. And so for water, you hold the rods down by your, by your, uh, the Zodiac man, you know, your, your generatives by your waistline and you walk and you just kind of clear your mind and you, you start with the intention of, you know, uh, show me where the water is and you just walk. And when they do this, they'll, that will tell you, okay, this is where water is. When they start to spin that, that signals one thing. If they spin the other way, it's, it signals another thing. So we found three major water lines through the property, which is really cool. We found an, a, uh, I, I think it was a very, very high, well, I don't think it was uh, probably a nexus point. That's where a dragon path goes over a ley line because the, the rods just spun and they spun for everybody. There's a difference between a dragon path and a ley line. Yeah. As far as I understand it. Because one's a telluric current and the other one's a magnetic current. All these vocabulary words will need explained, even if they're things we've talked about before. I just want to make sure we don't leave anybody behind. And <laughs> we've got diamagnetism. <laughs> we've got, you know, telluric versus magnetic. Some things that people might want to know about. Uh, as far as I understand it, telluric is the, the bioelectric current that is in the ground. So everybody's heard of electromagnetism. You have one, one kind of begets the other, especially if, if the electrical current is moving, it induces a magnetic current. Oh yeah. Walter Russell, he says magnetism is the daughter of electricity. Precisely. So as far as I understand it, a telluric current is bioelectricity that's running in the, in the ground. And usually it's horizontal, it's a horizontal energy and it runs in waves. But when it when it butts up against a a magnetic line of current, which could be just the geology of the rock, it could be a lot of different things. That's more of what where they over over when they cross each other, that's usually where you get these nexus points where people, you know, see UFOs or plasma balls and portals and all that type of stuff. That's like where the green man comes out. You think some of that is, see, I, I'm holding on to a, not a belief, but a, an assumption that maybe certain activities in the paranormal realm are generated, generated from like piezoelectric effect Definitely. on the heavy duty crystalline structure below being literally smashed down by the force and the weight and mass of the ground above it, which caused like, you know, after Greg, Greg Little came on the show and told us about how you can put quartz crystals in a bathtub of -hmm. water and then like turn out the lights and then start grinding the quartz together in the water and the whole tub will light up. Yeah. Like all the water will illuminate. So, I mean, on a bigger, we're talking about so much crystal under the ground, then maybe that actually could like a, a type of sentience that is maintained you know that that piezoelectric current is is constant and so yes. there's stuff that is generated from that that doesn't go away and it takes on a type of life because energy is con- consciousness is energy energy is consciousness yes and also your voice like if you're resonant with your land 
like whenever I've built for anybody or whenever I've been looking for a new property, I, I always go to the land and I'm with the land and I, I speak out loud because, and I make my intention known out loud. And because the vibration of the voice will actually stimulate that piezoelectric current like you're talking about. And you can feel like if the, if the land likes you because you'll feel like a little charge of like, oh, okay. I, there's some juice here and then you can feel if it's not a match because your the the bioenergetic aspect of your of yourself I, i'll speak for myself i i felt i've been on some way and i'm like oh this isn't for me i'm not supposed to be here <laughs> for whatever reason this isn't this isn't my jam there's been like whole areas of the world where I, the second i was in it i was like okay i know i'm not i'm not supposed to be here this isn't for me <laughs> what you said to back up to like saying out loud with the dowsing rods, what you're looking for. That's the, to me, that's the whole trick. I'm just holding the rods and I'm like, okay, open. I actually, you can get really granular with it, which is yes. fascinating with dowsing. So what I do in client sessions is I'm measuring the left, right, forward, backward, up, down, all three axes of their, you know, energy field. So I'll like, I'll look at the root chakra candle or crystal on the table and I'll think root chakra, right side, front and back. So my right hand is the front and my left hand is the back. And then as I walk towards the table, the, you know, they'll either both open or one will open and the other won't or neither will open. And then I just like take note. Okay. Root chakra, right side, left or right side back is what, you know, didn't open. And that's my clue of there's some kind of impediment to the energy flow there. So I explain all that just so people can understand that they can creatively apply their will to the use of these dowsing rods to get all kinds of answers from their bodily intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people that will do, they'll divine, they'll do like an electrical, uh, electional chart for themselves and use uh, their divining rods. A, a bunch of people that I know that do the I Ching, they'll, they'll have their dowsing rods next to them. The thing is, is the medium that we're in is information and it always wants to speak to speak to us. So I, I, in my adult life, I've been trying to cultivate the maturity to be able to listen, like to really listen to, to what's being said. And it's also like with my clients, a lot of clients will have a preconceived notion of what it is that they want. And I, and I'll be like, do you have your land yet? <laughs> don't, don't even, don't even think about what it is that you really want or the shape of it or whatever until you have your land and you actually see and, and are on your land and camp on your land. The worst thing I think people do, it's not the worst thing, but it's, it's not the most beneficial is to like go onto a piece of land and just say, okay, I'm going to throw this cube on this land. And it's cause that's, that's what I want. You know, I've been on my property now for five months and our house design has changed 20 times <laughs> just because the more I'm with the land of like, Oh, okay, this will work. This won't work. This should go here. This, you know, it's just a matter of, of just listening and just kind of, tuning into to what what is a symbiotic build 
you know, you just don't want to come in all guns blazing and mow over the currents that are, that are trying to be there. And it's really cool. I'm, I'm blessed already because I've had clients that they listen and I'm like, look, you don't want to put a drain field there because that drain field's going over this water line. You actually want to put your drain field over there. That way it doesn't affect the the water table or, you know, you don't want to put your building there because if you do, you'll have constant, you know, poltergeists in your house. <laughs> it, it's kind of fun to talk to clients that way and have clients that are, are that cool where they're like, oh, okay, I, I get it. So. Well, okay. So how do you avoid poltergeists in your house? What brings poltergeists into your house? Is this related to what I was just talking about with piezoelectricity generating types of intelligences? Yeah. Where you have the ley line over the dragon path. That's where you always get the most, most activity. I was just laughing too, because this, this person who bought the property, I knew from the moment I met, I met her and then her family, I'm like, oh, she's an ultra sensitive. So of course, an ultra sensitive buys a property that has a nexus point on it. <laughs> it's just like you know, it's the 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 resonant pattern of like you cannot put your house there. If you do that, there's literally you'll wake up the entire neighborhood with UFOs and shit. Like you can't. Do <laughs> Maybe that. that's what they want. You know, they're trying to do like the whole psychopomp thing. No, she told me. She told me she wants peace and quiet. She wants to rest. And I'm like, okay. If if that's the case, then that is not for you. you. You don't you don't build right there. It's just amazing how important this knowledge of the the way the land moves and the energy flows through the land is to actually successfully accomplishing what it is that we want to build and maintain into perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Because like we're having this conversation as if it's some far out cutting edge new uh, new thing but it's the oldest thing ever (laughs) like humans have known this forever but we just put it away and uh so you know (laughs) we can talk we can talk more about that if you have thoughts on that and then we'll go ahead well i i got into i got into building um kind of by accident my my dad was a builder and i never ever thought i was going to get into building like i saw the life that he had and he was a commercial builder of skyscrapers and like that was a very highly stressful job i mean he was really good at it but still that was not the life i ever thought i i would get into and i find myself essentially broke <laughs> with no money and and starting a family back in 07 and I was just like I have no money but I have a lot of land what's the best way I can actually make this happen and I saw all these these stick buildings that were being built in in the area of the world I was in in Central America and they were getting eaten and so I was like okay I I can't build something and have it get eaten I definitely don't want to live in a metal monstrosity that, you know, I just came from, you know, in the States, like this, these metal frame buildings, because I'm very sensitive to metal, especially when it's over my head. So like tin, tin roofs and stuff like that, I can actually feel it block. I almost put a metal roof on my house thinking that would be a good idea. Like that'll, that'll protect me from the EMF. (laughs) No, no, it blocks. It's tin. They put tin in it. So it's a very odd thing because they do tin, aluminum, and um, an iron. It's an it's an amalgamation of a lot of different metals, but I find that it completely blocks the shishumna. I've never been under a metal. What's the shishumna? 
it's your it's your direct current to your creator. So the cosmology that I'm in is that we live like this. We live on the plane of inertia. This is the plane of where people get what they want. So the soul incarnates. It does what it does to get what it wants. It goes through its trials and tribulations. But at all times, we have this connection that comes down to our spiritual heart, which, you know, even in the Bible, like if people don't even believe this, like there's even the saying in the Bible that the fool's heart is on the left, but the the wise man's is on the right. So we have this connection to our I, to the, like the, the I am, and it's, it, it's, it's straight up. And that's known in uh, the Raja Yoga world as the Shishumna. And so when you die, or excuse me, let me be, be uh, accurate. When I died, I was, I went up the Shishumna. And when I, when I was revivified, I came down the Shishumna. So, I so think, like maybe in a DMT experience or something, the tunnel you go through, is that going up the Shishumna? Uh, all the DMT I've ever done, I never went through the tunnel, so I can't say. I, I'm I would, just saying I've been through some tunnels and I've, you know, been some places through the tunnel that <laughs> felt like I was talking to my creator. Hey, could have been, could have been. I've, I've heard that. Uh, I know the people that I've talked to that have gone through death experiences we all kind of had the same thing. Like some of us like, you know, we're outside of the body a little bit, but when we were in the other realm and then when we dropped back down, we dropped, like we dropped through a channel and. Oh yeah. Uh, it feels like going, it feels like. Like yeah. that sound is how it feels, but it takes longer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's literally a drop in your energy body <laughs> so you, to, to come into the dense medium that, uh, of the plane of inertia, you need inertia and that's a lower, that's a lower vibration. So, um, so I forget why I was talking about that. The whole reason why I was giving the cosmology, but oh, anyway, you're talking about metal roofs. Oh, metal roofs. So you know, before you continue on that, I just want to point out to everybody how he just low key dropped one of the most important things that you can know about where you're at which is the, you get what you wish for hundred percent. You will get what you wish for. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, make sure that your wishes are in alignment with who you really are. Otherwise the more things that you get that you wished for that aren't in alignment with who you really are, the less in touch with who you really are. You will be to the point of amnesia. That's absolutely true. And, it, it, and I, that's why I wanted to talk to you um, about this because I came into full alignment of with what I want. So I was going to, I was just going to tell you what it is that I want from a house perspective. But yeah, the, yeah, I think that's super important. Like what a house should actually be. Yeah. 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 We'll get into that. So I was in all these buildings in the tropics where they all had metal roofs and I'm like, Oh, these are just terrible. Like I can't think and they're all humid and, and I have no money. Like, what am I going to do? And so my friend had this uh, book called The Hand Sculpted House. And I read it and I was like, oh, my God, I have all the time in the world. I have no money. I can build a house out of earth. <laughs> so I started drawing all these like uh, pictures because I could always draw. And uh, a client of mine bought one of the, my pictures because he wanted that as his house. And he sent me to school to learn how to do it. And I did. And so from that point on, I kind of found myself back into construction, even though I wasn't like really ever wanting to do that as a, as a, as a life, because I always had my, the projection of my father onto it. But here I am 
I've uh, I've tailored it to a point of where I'm actually following all the innovation of as long as I follow the innovation, I, I have a charge in me. So the particular type of building I, I like are buildings with curves, uh, buildings that actually biomimic the landscape um, and, and buildings where the, the structure itself is always inducing a positive flow of, of bioelectricity to the person. Um, you know, I did a I did a podcast years ago with, with Crow. Crow loves to say the whole thing with angles of sorrow. Like I'm in this old house right now that was built in 1967, and I'm in an old dingy bedroom, and it's a cube, and it has four corners, and in each of the four corners, every corner is dingy. Yeah, like you can di- see it behind me in this corner. Yeah, me. It, and it's dingy energetically, and. It was so cool because in in Costa Rica, the biggest thing that you always have to deal with is bugs. And I had a very practical German friend and she was always, she, the first thing, it it didn't matter how luxurious a home was, whenever she'd walk into it, she'd look around and she'd be like, oh, that's going to be a pain to clean. Or, oh, that's going to be a horrible maintenance nightmare or whatever. And that always stuck with me. And so when I found domes, I was like, oh my God, there's no vertices. This is going to be easy to clean <laughs> because at, at the heart of me, I'm lazy. I don't want to be Mr. Maintenance forever. I don't want to like have to like really, you know, be chasing the dragon all the time with this type of stuff. So I was like, okay, domes are extremely energy efficient. They have no vertices, so bugs don't like them. And I have I have videos on my Instagram of like me videoing domes, and there's like zero spiders. Like a dome that had no one in it for a year, and there's like no spider webs. In Costa Rica, like in two days in a cube, you'll have spider webs everywhere. So I was like, okay, these 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 structures that have curves, there's some sort of flow that's always going on. And that kind of mirrored what I was learning from Victor Schauberger. And Victor Schauberger was um, an Austrian naturalist that was always teaching people about pressure mediation. He was always teaching people about how fluids want to move, whether it was air, water, fire. It's pretty much all the same. And so his whole thing was like the flow forms, like you create these curves so the energy never stagnates. You never get this like, you know, little, this little corner of sorrow. <laughs> and um, so I built myself a few and they turned out really well. Other people wanted me to build them for them. And then through the years, I had a bunch of cohorts that were like also natural building enthusiasts that uh, they got me into dousing. And then all the other things that come along with like, how do you actually uh, protect your land and how do you actually get connected to, um, I guess you would say the the more subtle aspects of of what's going on and how, how you can actually induce a harmonious um, interaction with those more subtle energies. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I don't know what I want to ask you about next, but maybe let's say 
going from domes to having a building that is also a capacitor. Yes. Capacitor so this is fun. like a battery, like holding a charge. Is there a way we can get to there? Or is the dome itself kind of going to be doing that? So, so it's really cool. So when you start like looking into over unity systems and things like that, you that's when you learn all these terms like telluric energy, scalar over energy. unity. If I'm not mistaken, more energy comes out than what you put in. Supposedly, you know, like I hate using the term free because there's no such thing as free. Um, there's always an input of energy, which infers that it wasn't free. So um, I was building a beehive dome. And if no, if anybody's ever seen a beehive dome, it's literally if you're to take a vesica Pisces, cut the vesica Pisces in half and then spin it on its axis, then you have this perfect lancet arch dome that's also known as a beehive dome. And when you build those type of domes, you use this thing, this technology called Super Adobe, which is technically flexible form rammed earth construction. And what you do is you lay these big bags full of earth in these circles, these concentric circles, and then you just build them. You just suck them in a little bit as you come up. So a dome that's like 18 feet high will have like at least 40 of these concentric circles and in between each circle you lay barbed wire to attach to the old bag and then so when you lay the new bag you have lateral adhesion and i was looking at this one day we were like halfway up the the dome and it's very hard work it's like you're literally like a, a dome that size is 40 uh well what would that be in cubic yards it would be like 45 cubic yards of material. So that's like 90,000 pounds. <laughs> it's a lot of weight. So well, I was always the guy that was compacting the bags. That was my thing. That was like quality control. So we were taking a break and I'm like looking at the bags and I'm like. Is that because you're the lazy one? You don't want to actually carry them? <laughs> no, it's actually because where I was, my labor force never compacted them correctly. Yeah, you, you have to you have to compact them to where they ring. It's actually like the the earth gets so solid, all the air is out of the earth that you hit it, and it's like it, you can feel it's a very specific vibration, and it rings. It's really neat. It's almost like it's it's like in a very weird way. I imagine it's like vitrifying clay without heat. I think that's what that whole process is like. So for those of you that don't know what vitrification is, when you have clay and people are doing pottery and they have the, the, the pottery wheel and they're shaping it and it's that whole moment from ghost and there's, you know, sexy Swayze and stuff like that. You get this, you get this vase and then you throw it into a kiln that's 2000 degrees, I think 2000 degrees C. I could be wrong about that. Let's just say 2000 degrees. When that gets that hot, all the different, all the molecules of clay that are in all different directions, they all do this. They all go, whoop, and they all stack perfectly. And it's very similar to the way you get magnetism in metal. In metal, you'll have everything moving in every different direction 
and then they shock it with a tremendous amount of voltage and then all the metal molecules go, oh shit, and they all point the same direction and that's how you get a magnet. So vitrification for clay is, vitrification is like, uh, in my mind, I could be completely wrong. It's just like how you would magnetize a geological uh, substance. And so I'm looking at this and I'm seeing all this barbed wire. And I'm like, I just laid like 1,500 meters of barbed wire. I'm like, that's a huge coil. Because it's a beehive dome, right? The thing's a beehive dome. So I'm going like this around and around and around and around and around. And I'm like, if I just had connected all of those lines, I would essentially have the, one of the world's largest coils. <laughs> and it's a, it's a conductive coil and it's insulated by the earth because the earth in and of itself is being held by a, a um, hydrocarbon. It's being held by polypropylene. So that's what the bags are made out of. They're made out of polypropylene. So I'm like, oh, geez, like this whole thing could be what's known as an earth battery because you have a potential at the ground that's zero and you go all the way up to the top of the thing. That's 1,800 volts difference in voltage. And that's when I had this like full recognition. I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, homes should be powering themselves. That is, uh, I think, what the ancients were doing. Absolutely. I don't think electricity is all that new, but it's just was maybe done in a simpler way. Interesting, too, that word vitrify from the Latin vitrum, which mm -hmm. means basically the word is saying you're turning it to glass. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So even though it might not become glass-like or look like glass, there is carrying some of that quality that glass has. So like it's like being clarified in a way. It is because what makes glass transparent? You have silica that's in every single direction also. They heat treat it just like they would heat clay. And then all the silica then stacks perfectly on top of it. And it's the perfect liquid crystal geometry that makes it transparent. So the process, like part of what's making it beneficial is that you're turning it it's basically being turned into the crystal form of itself. Yeah, it's actually a better, I think a better term I could say is I'm when I'm compacting the earth, I'm forging it. So do you know the difference in strength between, let's say, an alloy rim and a forged rim? Do you know why they're different in strength? I do not. So an alloy rim, what they'll do is they'll take whatever the, the substance is. Let's just say it's steel. And they'll pour it in into the into a mold, and they just let it cure. They just let it set and cool in the mold. Forged rims, they'll take that same material, that same metal, they'll pour it into the form, and then they'll spin the form. And by spinning the form, all the molecules will start to arrange in a direction. And just by giving them a direction makes them stronger. Uh, it's kind of like they're all coherent. They're all exactly. They're like all in the same rhythm together. Right. Yeah. Right. Nature always prefers that. And then the, the the interesting thing about that too is wherever there's coherence, anything that is in a a vacuum or potential or 
dissonant state, but that the the ability for it to fall into coherence is technically there, like it's not impeded, then the coherent uh, other thing that's in the vicinity will help entrain or allow the other stuff to become coherent. So what I mean by that is just the very structure you're describing, <laughs> just being in it would have an effect on your, your biofield as a, you know, a bioelectric creature. And they did, it does. So at least in the, in the beehive domes, domes are kind of tricky acoustically because it's a, it's a triple convex curve. So everything's collapsing. The sound is collapsing in on you and that can get kind of confusing. But for people who do toning, um, we had this this very famous Austrian toning toner <laughs> come into our neck of the woods, and he wanted to tone in the in the dome because the the walls are you know two feet thick. So, like I said, they start to ring like a bell. So imagine you have a ninety ton bell, <laughs> like that's a lot of mass. And at the end of the day, you know, mass rules the day. So, like you, at least on on the plane of inertia. So, so we all start toning. And then there's there was, the fact that it's glassified or vitrified, and so right. it is its own piezoelectric generator at that point too. Precisely. So 18 of us started to tone and he was a master. Like he could hit whatever notes he wanted to. And he was doing, he sounded like one of those, uh, he got into this like really like baritone. He sounded like a, what are those, um, what are those Tibetan monks called? Where yeah. yeah, he started to do that. None of us could get as low as he could, but like the whole place was just like, and we all dropped into like dead silence for a, like half an hour, which is very odd in the middle of the rainforest because it's very hard in the rainforest to to reach like silence. So that was a really cool. That was a at the time I was building those. I I it was so much work to to build those like people like i talk most people out of earth bag building because i'm like dude you have no idea how much work this is <laughs> like you really don't have any idea like moving you know but that is also probably like completely indestructible right yeah 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 that that'll be here way 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 past all of us but even at that, like you have to like weigh it. Like you, everything is like a give and take. Like right now, I don't want to get too far off track with this, but like this is one of the things I tell my clients. I'm like, okay, you know, your budget says this, but you want this. Like, you know, you have <laughs> you have Lexus dreams, but you have a Tercel budget. Like it's it's just like the more time something takes, the more money it is. So you just have to understand that type of thing. And with earth bags, like it, I always tell people, like if they ever want to build with earth, don't, there's two illusions. One, building with earth is less expensive. It is not. <laughs> and and two, it's better than synthetic. It is not. It really isn't. Um, there's neat things about it. And I think using earth in certain aspects of the building is wonderful. But overall, like there's so many, there's so many better ways to build and save and save your money. <laughs> like building with earth is really like, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to do right. I should say. You do get cool points for it though. 
you totally do get, get cool points for you, it. You do get cool points, but it's really funny. Like at least where I was in Costa Rica, they have buildings that are hundreds of years old that are built out of earth, but the the building code now says that building with earth is illegal. <laughs> so like the so uh the whole world underneath their feet is illegal? Well, they, no, it's because they say seismically, like that can't handle earthquakes. And I was like, uh, "Oh, contraire, mon frere. I've the buildings I build with Super Adobe. They are that they have the highest rating in the world for shear strength." My mentor, my mentor was actually from Iran. He was there in Tehran in 1981 when the whole city was wiped away from a huge earthquake, and he was building skyscrapers. And he was like, he looked he. The, what he said, he looked in horror at the, at the at the city of Tehran, and he said he said what grabbed his eye was the only thing that was left standing wherever he looked were these beehives, these beehives, and so he <clears throat> he went down the streets to see what these beehives were, and these were these seven eight hundred year old bakeries, where they would build the bakery kiln was like this this beehive shape because the way they would do these these specific breads there and these were the only buildings that were left standing in tehran and he's like why am i building these you know metal and glass monstrosities they can't even handle an 8.1 earthquake but these 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 uh beehives that were made out of clay they've been here for 600 years like he's like this is this is a no-brainer it's pretty wild when you look at the photos of that earthquake. I just did a quick little Google search. Mm -hmm. So we have established that the structure, the dome structure could generate a charge in a couple mm -hmm. of ways. But what about the actual holding of it as a capacitor or battery? And then maybe elaborate on what that feels like or what effects that could have. You know, I'm sure that it's probably beyond what we could speculate on. Well, my disclaimer in all this is I'm not an electrical engineer by any means. Like I got into construction backwards. I've gotten into plumbing and electric backwards. So when I use the terminology that I use, it could be incorrect, but the spirit of what I'm saying is wholly accurate and it's, it's testable. So I don't know how to hold voltage because all I'm talking about, this coil would create a potential. I don't know how you go from creating such a high potential to actually changing that into ampage. I, I mean, there's equations. People tell me, oh, it's just that plus resistance and you get maybe what I'm going to do it with my building is, is I'm going to use it actually to charge all of my all of my channels of organite. And then I'm going to have all my channels of organite terminate. Because organite can be conductive, like I'm, I'm a guy who who makes organite with tons of metal. <laughs> like I, I'm, a, I, I've, I've been kind of a, a snob with people who make organite because most of them are just doing it to make it look nice, like make it look fancy, and it doesn't have nearly enough metal in it to be a really effective. But <clears throat> my organite will be conductive. And so what I'll do is I'll have the the lines come and terminate at a mojo cell, which is an orgone accumulator. 
And what that will do is that will change the potential energy that's from the earth bags that will actually convert because I'll have, I'll I'll connect that to the anode of the mojo cell. And then I'll have my ungrounded, um, (laughs) my ungrounded highest point of, of the roof, which is a spiral configuration that will also have organite terminuses. I'll have that come down and go to the cathode of the mojo cell. And within the mojo cell is water. So um, I might as well describe to your, to, to your audience what Joe cells and mojo cells are, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So a Joe cell is essentially a cylinder within a cylinder within a cylinder that have structured water in them where the middle gets the positive charge, or excuse me, the outside gets the positive charge. The inside gets the negative charge. Nary the two shall ever meet. And the water in between the two is trying to rectify the, the positive and the negative. Now water is a terrible conductor of electricity. So you have tons of people out there that will throw you know, all these different types of electrolytes into the water and produce um, hydrogen, oxygen. You know, I've heard, you know, Weissman's been on your show. There's all these people that are into electrolysis and fracturing the water. And that has its place. Like, you know, I have a hydrogen uh, maker, an H2 Genesis maker. I all All that technology has... Uh, definitely a benefit and is out there but there is a secondary thing that's there and it's it's orgone yeah i would actually say it's the primary thing some people have called orgone brown's gas it is not brown's gas not at all so no orgone doesn't even necessarily require a physical substance to it right exactly in fact Orgone, the best way I could say the way orgone moves is through signaling. And you like it's it's uh, this mysterious thing. It's chi, it's prana, but it's orgone is, I guess you could say it's the chi or prana that can be harnessed through a mechanism that was devised by human consciousness. So yeah, um, like it's it's I, to like throw in on that it's akin to how an idea can give a person a ton of energy, mm-hmm. but then that same idea to another person doesn't give them any energy, right? Right? That like, well, where did that come from? How come I could tell somebody they're gonna receive ten million dollars in the morning, but all they have to do is go to sleep and don't get up or wake up for eight hours straight? They'd be so like most people would be so stoked that they're going to get $10 million in the morning that they wouldn't be able to fulfill the condition of going to sleep, even if they were tired before that. <laughs> you know, tell the kid that Santa's coming in the morning, but you better go to bed. And they're like jumping up and down. So okay, I know that those are both kind of materialistic ideas of, of how an idea can give energy, but it can and it does. And I think that orgone is sort of subtle to that level that when we are describing the life force energy that is the most primary aspect of the creation, we're really just getting into mind. And that's why, you you know, consciousness is what we're talking about. Right. So I, 
it's amazing. Like your work with Veda Austin, you know how she's talking about what that's all her work. <laughs> she's so good. I'm just lucky to be the host. Okay, but so Veda Austin's work. So when I first started getting into into Joe Cells, it was mainly because I had read Wilhelm Reich. I had two clients of mine in Fort Lauderdale that had actually lived in a Reichian community up in Maine, I think it was, when they were when they were growing up. And Is when this I was the fourth or the fifth Reich. <laughs> the sixth <Just> Reich. <laughs> <laughs> no, Wilhelm Reich. So Wilhelm Reich was a contemporary of of Freud. But he pretty much said all of Freud's stuff is based on, you know, people's uh, lower, <laughs> lower extremities, let's say. And he said the better way to model uh, psychology was to model it around health, not model it around people's um, lower tendencies, let's say. And so, of course, because he was coming from a health-based perspective, he was immediately ostracized. But the real reason why I think he was ostracized was because he... That's kind was, of a nice word. I mean, he was chased out of places, a uh, threat of death. Yeah. And the the main reason why he was, I think, was because he had a technology where he could look at things under his type of microscope without killing them. So, you know, I just did a, a podcast with Dr. Daniels, and she she had at Harvard Medical School, they had like an electron mi- microscope. And she had to do the the samples for looking at viruses. And she was laughing because she was like, you know, from the time they got a sample to the time that they could actually look at it under the electron microscope, it had been desiccated for three weeks. She said on average two weeks, but anywhere from two to three weeks that it had been acidified, it had been all this stuff. And then they had to spray it with this material that the electron electron microscope could even see. So what you're seeing is nothing of what it was within the body, the living organism at all. Well, Reich, Wilhelm Reich had the technology sort of like uh, people now that look at live blood analysis and stuff like that. He had the capacity back in the, I believe it was the 20s, to be able to look at people's uh, blood and 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 other uh, biopsies out of their body. And he he didn't have to kill the organism. And so that was a huge thing. And I think that was a huge threat to a lot of people out there. And then he was well, also- if the whole scientific model is based on the death of Precisely. stuff, th- then you're going to have to start from the ground up. If you're looking at life, it's not going to yeah. work. You got to stop that guy. Yeah. In the, and so I ended up getting a bunch of books of his that really helped me with my consciousness, like um, this book, murder of Christ which you would love the murder of Christ because what it is, is the whole book is showing how we externally project the savior so that we can actually kill the savior. Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've only read listen, little man, yes, which is where that. he was very uh, mad at the commies and the collectivists, which yes. is still, you know, it's all thematically similar. And I've also read ether God and devil. But yeah, this, the Messiah that you're describing Reich talk about, that sounds totally up my alley. I'll have to put it on the list. 
It was incredible. It helped me break out of the the stupor I was in the ashram. It like literally like launched me into my into my oh, higher it saved Topher from it did. <laughs> we still have a Topher. You would have just been sort of like a quivering lump of of but I, I was literally useless. Like I was just this guy who could meditate and bend and put my head up my butt and I could channel and do shit like that. But I was like, I was literally useless. I had no real production in my life. And I read his book and then, um, and the, what was great was my client that was lending these books to me. Um, she was my massage client and we had this incredible connection. I became friends with her whole family and then it ended up her family owned a university. And so I ended up working with all these professors and we would like sit there and talk philosophy. And I was just like, I'm like, I am in the wrong thing being in this ashram. Like, this is just not like I'm actually engaged. Like I can engage with the world. <laughs> but anyway, Wilhelm Reich was actually a brilliant scientist. Like he was just the man when it came to understanding how chi, prana, life force moves through the body. And um, he did a lot of work. Like he, he, he coined the term orgone because he said in the orgasm, especially for the feminine pole, the orgasm is very much the collapse of the field that's around us. It's a, a better way of saying it's like ingasm, interverse ingasm. Like you have this energy that, that concentrates implosion implosion. Exactly. And so as soon as I saw that, I was reading Victor Schauberger and I'm like, this is the shit. This is the way I'm going to go. And so what an orgone accumulator does is essentially is it uses water. And you, you, you have a vessel that holds the water in, in a certain way that when you signal the water, the water does not disassociate. What occurs with the water is the water will start to morph into its more plasmatic self. And when it starts to morph into its more, more plasmatic self, you get the new water. And the new water, this is this is very esoteric because, you know, Weissman's talked about it on your podcast where, you know, if you go ahead and light the, the hydrogen and the, the Brown's gas with a torch, and you use that, you'll get these little droplets of water as you're as you're cutting metal, right? Well, those droplets of water are new water. It's an actual. It's like that. It's like the Federal Reserve making money. That's new debt. <laughs> this is. And then with the is, Browns gas, it's like cutting, able to cut metal or weld metal, but it's only a couple hundred degrees in temperature that it burns at, right? Uh, it's like it actually, burns at this ultra low temperature. It's it's a very interesting type because when you start talking about temperature, then you're back into Schauberger's land. Uh, you're back into the world of what is temperature. So when most people hear the term temperature, they're thinking heat or cold. Those are sensations. Those are sensations that our 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 little sensory organs pick up. Temperature, though, is is actually gauging the rate in the potential of change oh that's what it is because it's time right 
temporal temperature. That's yes. kind of what I was starting to think when you were. Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. So, so his, the way his, his stuff feels to an organic, like you can run it. Like I, I have a torch for my machine. You run it across your hand, the biological aspect of my hand that has the water within it doesn't react. It's like, it's the exact opposite of like the way a microwave works is where like a microwave, when it, it when it's sent at water, it agitates it. But when you have this flame, the flame that's made of water, that's made of the gases that come from water, and it comes across a biological thing, it doesn't, it doesn't titillate the water molecules in whatever it's touching. But it titillates everything else. So this is, it's, it's an amazing thing from a ph- phenomenological perspective because you start to understand almost all of your senses have to deal with the water element. Like if the water element was taken out, it, you don't actually have the sense of it. So when something's supremely cold, it's the, it's the water retracting. When something gets really hot, it's, it, it's, the, it's the water molecule pushing and expanding. Man, this goes a long way to like the whole water is God <laughs> type of idea. If for all intents and purposes, this this plane of inertia that we're in is completely a fluid. It is a fluid. Water is a big part of that fluid, you know, and that's the thing is like you, we can get scientific and call it H2O or H3O4. You can go by all these monikers, but what you start to see when you start to play with organ accumulators or you freeze it really quickly, it is actually a medium that is very, very malleable. And it's just wanting the right signaling. It's like what I was talking about earlier with signaling the land. What you're really doing is the the signaling medium is the water in you, like the waters above, the waters below, like it's it's all that is the fluid of exchange. Like they, you actually know, like a person when they get dehydrated, they lose the majority of their memory. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's because the memory is actually in the fluid that's around us and the array of our circulatory system is what actually transceives that record. So when you get right with the water within your body, you get right within the water that's around you, you actually have access to unlimited information. Oh, yeah, it's like a fractal pattern that, you know, working on this principle again of, there is an electromagnetism to your, what your body is putting off or what your, like what your body really is. Your body, how I understand it is like what we call a body is actually the condensed core of a bubble of like a bubble in (laughs) a bubble in water. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of trippy when you think about it, but like our middle column is the densest part of that. But the way to understand that bubble in the in the cosmic waters would be that it's the uh <laughs> I don't know how to put this into words. No, I I, I totally concur because you know I do cranial sacral body work. And so when when you're actually finding because you brought up that center column 
is the densest part of of this this medium that's all, as it goes to its periphery gets less dense, less dense, less dense, less dense, right? But the oh fluid, yeah, your body is in the this bubble in the water is a bubble of mind or consciousness, mind. or like it, literally the bubble is an idea, right? And you your body is inside of this idea bubble. It's a right. thought bubble, like in a comic book. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And our heart is actually an implosion mechanism. So if you can look at it, our heart, when our heart stops beating, the, the, the body perishes, right? And the reason why that is, is because our cardiopulmonary system, the, that which moves the fluid, whether it's moving the air or moving the, the actual fluids of the body, the cardiopulmonary system is constantly being, it's being sucked in, but it's literally that idea of ourself that's concentrating and collapsing, concentrating and collapsing, concentrating and collapsing. You always have God trying to rush in. And as God's rushing in, it's collapsing the field into the heart all the time. Boom, 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 boom. So that right there is once you recognize like, oh, okay, this, 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 this thing that I call me is just the densest part <laughs> of, a, of a much greater array of subtlety. Then, then the sensitivities, you can cultivate much greater sensitivities. If you're actually like going the opposite way, which, you know, we're taught to do where we're like, I am me, the center, and I'm going out in this direction. That's when the sensitivities are kind of lacking. But getting back to the orgone, <laughs> sorry, I was, I was uh, uh, pontificating a little bit. The, you have water. You put water in a vessel that you can signal in a very specific way. And when you signal it in this way, by giving it potential, by giving it voltage, a, a very specific type of frequency, um, you get harmony within the water. The water will start to turn viscous, and it will start to look like milk. Now, what's incredible with some of the organ accumulators that I've worked with is you never have to replace the water ever. And the one that I work the most with, it only holds one liter of water. And on multiple occasions of me pulling it out and going to clean it, I've poured a liter and a half of water out of it. Now, how is that's that? That's the new water. That's the new water. But you would say even just from a just from like okay a three dimensional reality perspective you're like no this cup can only hold eighteen ounces it's impossible if I fill it with eighteen ounces that then I can pour it and twenty ounces come out of it that's an impossibility like people will say no that's what makes it an eighteen ounce cup only eighteen ounces of volume look only eighteen ounces of volume that's it. When you start to get a resonant structure with water in it, the water just comes. You, so you, I you could maybe conceive of it the way that, say, our idea in modern physics that gets thrown around a lot, about a lot, like how between the molecules is mostly empty space, mm -hmm. that what we're dealing with maybe is at the center of this field is like a type of implosion compression causing the what's there to sort of like everything to be closer together or, or more crystalline structure, so to speak, like more of a, 
a coherent lattice work. So, and when it comes out of the field of the device, it all sort of goes back to being more normal water. And so more comes out than was in there. I'm just trying to wrap my head around that. Uh, I, again, though, maybe that's too material of a way of thinking because I've definitely seen stuff happen that can't seemingly be described. The the model the the way i understand it and i'm not saying i'm the the pinnacle of understanding with this is i subscribe to kenneth wheeler's way of looking at things which is walter russell's way of looking things is that in physical reality everything that we experience is just a derivation of hydrogen and hydrogen is just concentrated light so then people ask well what is light you know, because we get we're told that light is photons and that there's particles and all this other stuff. And then you dive deeper into what light is and what light is, is it's a coaxial circuit between two points within a medium where there is a collapse of the waveform and then light appears. And it's essentially like... um like uh, what did Tesla say? Light is a sound wave moving through the ether. <laughs> so if a person doesn't know what a coaxial circuit is, Chance, you look frozen. Are you there? Chancy poo. Did we break the internet? <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to keep talking. Chance fell out. So anyway, the the coaxial circuit. You the way you could imagine that is, we were just saying that the the plane of inertia is just essentially one big fluid medium. This fluid medium is goes from gross to subtle, subtle to gross. The most subtle aspect of this fluid medium is ether. Um, ether. The very first thing that ether will condense into is what we know as of light. And then the second thing that that will condense into is into hydrogen. And then every other atom that is made on the periodic table is just an is just more aspects of hydrogen agglomerated in a very specific way. So when you when you look at creation in that way it makes it makes things it makes it fun because i think what's occurring in some of these in some of these mojo cells these organ accumulators is water is life and so when you get harmonious with the water through a very specific frequency range <laughs> this is you know, maybe when the internet cuts out, that never happens. Yeah, I, I was hit. I, I was hitting a denouement there, so it doesn't. You know, so I know what it, I wonder what I missed. I was really learning something here. You'll have to watch it again. I will, so, but okay. So I, you were probably right in the middle of an idea, but we are at the point of transition to the plus extension. I'll put the link in for Rockfin users to jump in, and I'll also be posting it to my Patreon. I'll let you finish this thought, but I will tease the plus extension that I want to talk about 
water being the origin of other forms of matter, unless you've already been explaining that, in which case you're going to have to go back or circle around because I, I want to talk about that. We also are going to get into the cloud busting roofs and, you know, probably more about the, the qualities and virtues of your, your current building projects and your knowledge on that. So great. Yeah. Do you want to wrap a little thread on what you were just saying that I totally missed before we <laughs> your plugs? Yeah, sure. Um, essentially that be- signaling water in a harmonious way will lead to life. And sometimes depending on the timing of our luminaries, the timing, the positioning of the devices and stuff like that, sometimes that will lead to the condensation of light into hydrogen, hydrogen into water, and that can be in real time. So you could apparently have, you know, the volume of this cup is 18 ounces in this time, but as I'm pouring, it takes time for the water to come out. Well, that means that there's actually time to fill it, be filling it as it's actually pouring out. And I think what occurs- Oh my God, you just explained the temperance card. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. The temperance card with these cups pouring into each other in a mystical way really makes me think of that. It's number 14. That was my that was my number. Hey. Yeah. What? What? One, four. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. We, we never even talk about that. You talk about it a lot with Owen, but your whole history as a kicker. You've had a weird life, dude. You were a D1 kicker for Michigan State. Yeah. For four years. I was a. Uh... Four-year starter in the mid-90s. So I teased a few of the things that we're going to get into. And then, you know, because it's you, maybe no guarantees on any of those topics being properly fleshed out. But what we do talk (laughs) about will be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, you know, you are quite a fluid communicator in a way that is incredible and awesome. And everybody just has a lot of fun listening to you. There's... Uh, recently you talked to Owen Benjamin on his stream. I know you do that often. You're probably his most regular, regular, cause, <laughs> especially because certain jort wearing losers are no longer welcome, which I'm personally fine with. Never liked that. But tell people what's going on with BioCharisma podcast. What's exciting that has come out recently. You mentioned the Jennifer Daniels episode. Is there anything else you would really like people to go hear other than all of it? And what else you can plug? Uh, that you're offering or, or up to, you know, let's lay all that on the table. Yeah. So I'm sort of using the podcast as like a, as a crowdsourcing um, medium for me to refine my cosmology. So I talk to all these people that I, I respect a ton and people I just enjoy, you know, and my conversations always get tangential, but they they do have a theme. You just have to be around long enough to to grab the whole theme. And so I I totally embrace the whole holotropic aspect of life. And so for me, learning gives me a ton of juice. And I just figure talking to to these people, they're such interesting. Con- I know if I find the conversation interesting. Other people will really find it interesting. That's how I try to do this is my goal is to make a podcast I would listen to. That's that's the only goal I've ever really brought to it. And I got to tell you. Well, well, that and to be like helpful and uplifting and, you know, 
good, nice things like that. <laughs> yeah, you're you're the best in the game. Like I really enjoy everything that you you produce. Like you're very very good at what you do. So um, so the idea with the the podcast is one learn to create a cosmology that I can teach my kids and a cosmology that is based in phenomenology because I really want, uh, I really want to teach people and my kids um, to trust their senses. I think God gave us our senses for a reason. <laughs> and that a lot of the science that, that is last for me, the body is dirty. The world is a prison. Blasphemy. Yeah. That's sarcasm, yeah. people. What he just said is really important. You have your senses for a reason. Once again, it's the the one four, the temperance, the five senses, you know, the whole trivium, quadrivium, you know, measured against the five senses makes you right. Like that's that's a very critical thing, at least in in my consciousness. So the podcast has been going great. Have had great guests. You're you're definitely on the docket. You're coming in. Um, we're we're really trying to suss out this whole thing with resonance, um, because I'm building resonance structures. So, or at least the goal is to build resonance structures, and it's it's in alignment with what we're talking about with or orgone accumulators. You know, an orgone accumulator is essentially just a resonance structure. So. Um, the, yeah, so that's what, that's what I'm working on with that. It's all at topherhq.com. Uh, we're launching coral domes, like the first coral dome we're going to be building. We're going to break ground in about a month, which is a lot of fun. And, uh, Curtis Stone and I are going to be like totally jamming out on the whole uses of biochar and construction because it's, uh, it's something that will blow people's mind. And we'll get into it when we talk about the, these diamagnetic anchors. Because biochar, biochar is the most highly diamagnetic material on the planet. So, yeah, that's what I got going on. Oh, for HQ. All right, guys, we're going to pop over to the Rockford Only side. Uh, people are already streaming over to there where there's a live chat available as well. Don't be shy about getting on Rockfin. I know that you do have to pay a membership to get the premium show that I'm currently asking you to jump into, but there's also a lot of free stuff you can watch without a membership. It's improving all the time in terms of functionality, and it's the currently the best place to actually support a creator that does independent content like you see here. They compensate me. You know, when you pay when you pay Rockfin for a membership. I'm actually getting paid by that. <laughs> it's very helpful, you, you know, keeping the lights on and the internet running <laughs> mostly. That's literally never happened in a live stream that the internet just went out temporarily. Very, very cool. So yeah, run on over to Rockfin. We're going to play a three-minute intermission song from my friend My Own Eyes. And I hope you guys like that. The link to it will be in the description of this episode along with everything else. If you are interested in tuning, Get in touch and get booked sooner than later if you would like that because the tinfoil hat episode I did a while back has really, uh, really taken up a lot of my <laughs> near future schedule of clients. So it's there; those are great guys. This is really important work that you can do to help yourself. It's you know you can't see what's behind you. You can't you can't give your own self a back rub. And tuning is kind of similar type of deal. You can do a lot of great things for yourself with sound, but having another 
technician in there to show you what maybe was hiding right under your nose, it's worth it. But not, not too many of you, please. I, I don't want to feel busy. <laughs> I just want the ones that need it. Please come and sign up for a tuning. Topher, thanks for hanging out. Can't wait to get into hour two over on Rockfin. And there's just a lot on the table. We could talk for hours. Love you a lot, buddy. Love you too, bro. All right. Let's get this music going. See everyone on the other side.